We're continuing in our sermon series, Confessions of a Pastor. I began this series as my first sermon series here uh, three over three years ago and uh, have come back to it. And We've now had three sermons in that series of confessions uh, of things that I wrestle with. And uh, as I understand it, our staff parish relations committee will meet in a week or two to set my salary. This is not the best time to be making confessions about how you struggle. So uh, after the service, if you have any coupons or spare change, maybe some leftovers. Uh, But it's important. It's important for us to name these things. Uh, to name them so that we can, as we said last week, when it comes to worldliness and and those particular weaknesses in our lives, so we can shore them up uh, so that Christ may live in and through us. And here we come to another confession this morning that there are times in my life when it's just too easy for me to judge people. Even though it's a key teaching in Jesus' ministry, I find that I am am tempted to go there uh, too Often. Now listen, this is an issue from the very beginning of Scripture. It's, a, it's an issue that plagued the Pharisees and the leaders of Jesus' day. If we look at our modern culture, we certainly are inundated with judgment. Even though we live in a culture that says, you can't judge me, so don't you dare judge. In doing that, they're making a judgment. Uh, we live in a, a world of social media where we've provided about 10,000 different filters that you can use for your pictures. Why? Because you know that, as Scripture said this morning, they will be trampled and torn to pieces by people that look at them if they're just not right. We live in a world of judgment. And then there's the church. And we'll close with this. Unfortunately, our culture thinks that that's who we are, a people of judgment. G. Campbell Morgan said it right in his commentary, there is nothing more ungodly than a critical spirit. And our culture, our culture, our world will not hear us if that is us, if they perceive that we are people who are judgmental. You wrestle with that? Roll your eyes at how people parent, especially at a church event. Did you hear the noise of those children as they left this morning? parents today about how people spend about how some people will never spend about how people dress about how people in Madison continue to run red lights even though I talk to you about this over and over again does that plague you and get judgmental I shared this story with uh, several Sunday school classes when I first arrived here and went to all the classes, but I was serving as the youth pastor at St. Mark's in the Reservoir right out of college, and one of my favorite people on the whole planet uh, was a a huge pro wrestling fan. That was his life, right? And there's some things that happened in Chuck's life where Chuck has always been, even though he's about 43, 44 now, he's always been a 12-year-old. And uh, to him, that stuff is real. And so one night he invited several of us uh, to go to Forest Hill High School to see the spoiler wrestle luscious Kenny Valiant. Not to be confused with the boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant, but this is his second cousin, once removed, luscious Kenny Valiant. And they announced in that match, in the main event, and of course, Chuck, we had to be front row to watch this, uh, they announced that it would be a false count anywhere, that they would fight anywhere, and they did. They ended up in the concession stand, and luscious Kenny got pinned right at my feet, right? Uh, 
Well, as soon as the announcer said this is going to be a Falls Count Anywhere match, immediately everybody in the first five rows of that wrestling event got up and moved to the back. Now, I'm already judging in my spirit. What, this is, you believe that they're actually going to hurt you. They're going to get you. I mean, Chuck and I stayed right there. But everybody just moved to the back. But I didn't realize how real it was for folks. Because I looked back and I saw a man who had moved his family back to the sixth or seventh row. I heard him actually say to his wife, once they had, 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 had found their seat far away, anybody comes back here, they're going to get cut. I was thinking, are you kidding me? And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here front row watching Luscious Kenny. I should be judged too. But I can have, maybe you can have, a critical spirit. Our forefather, John Wesley, preached about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount more than any other biblical text. Sermon after sermon after sermon on this one sermon. And when he talks about those first parts of that Sermon on the Mount, up into chapter 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, he talks about this is the sum of true religion, about how we are to love God and to love others. But it's right here at this verse that Father Wesley says, this is when Jesus takes a turn in this sermon, and he begins to talk about the hindrances to life with God and life with others. It's this verse, judge not lest you be judged hindrances and just like we said last week with worldliness creeping up on us judgmental being that way a critical spirit will get on us before we even realize that we are in danger wesley even said this is such a necessary topic he said it is needful for every child of god from the young to the old to revisit this, to look at again the words of Christ when he says, judge not, and what that can produce in our lives, he said it is needful for every believer. Now, as we begin this, let me say, some of you are remembering, wait a minute, haven't we covered this before? We have. Last September, we talked in a sermon series about what we believe, that sometimes we believe what culture says that we shouldn't judge at all. You can read scripture from cover to cover and know Old Testament, New Testament, of course there are times for discernment. Of course there are times uh, for judgment. Jesus is doing that here, and the popular belief might say we can't judge, but it's everywhere. Peter, Paul, John, they all say, talk about, uh, they all talk about having sound judgment, testing the spirit, taking every thought captive, that we are in 1 Corinthians 5.12 to judge within the church. Careful how we do that biblical how we do that but all over scripture there is room for discernment and correction and judgment now we live in a an age from whether it's philosopher Immanuel Kant all the way to wikipedia.com that says whatever I say is the way and you can't judge me for that I understand that's the culture in which we live but when we bump into the Word of God we are reminded that it is a living and active uh, a two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to Hebrews 4:12 judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart we're constantly judged by scripture and open to others speaking into our lives and we'll get that in a moment and that's where this verse actually ends up going we end up staying with 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 verse
verse 1. We can't judge and we forget to go down to the rest of the passage because what does the passage say? It ends up saying, oh, no, 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 no. There is a time in verse 5 where we do speak to those who are struggling. Even if they have a moat or a speck, there is a place for that. And church, we're not to sit on the sidelines idly by and watch our friends and family members, even our, our church family, stay in their brokenness or sin. There is no Monday morning quarterback of what that person, that coach should have done or that player should have done. Matthew Henry in his commentary says, if there is someone who is wayward, after you've done that hard work of looking at your own eye, your own heart, your own life, he basically says, then get out of the chair of being Monday morning quarterback and get on the field. And, and speak in, as Wesley would say, always with, in another sermon, always with tender love, but say a word. Here's what Wesley would actually say when he closes his sermon on this passage. Here's what John Wesley would say. How soon would that evil be remedied? Were we to talk or were we to walk by that clear and express rule which our Lord himself taught? If thy brother shall trespass against thee, now some of these judgments we're going to talk about in a minute have nothing to do with anybody trespassing against me. I just judge. I'm just critical, okay? But Wesley says, if your brother trespasses against thee, uh, then go and tell him his fault. And it's between him and thee alone. A reminder again that Jesus has given us that pattern. Don't go as I, I want to do. Go tell everybody else but one-on-one -on -one with that brother or sister in Christ after I've done that work to check my own heart, my own life, but because of our love for their soul and their future and their life with God, there are times where we say a word about the speck or the moat. First dealing with the log, but sure we speak. And by the way, verse 6, there's a practical word here from Jesus, and it's a word we need to hear. Verse 6 says, then after you've, give, after you've said it, You've got to give that to God because unfortunately in this world, once you've said a word, hey, is this going on in your life? Am I seeing this right? I, I, I struggle too, but I'm wondering, is, is this in your life right now? You say that word, you be careful because there is a high probability you are about to be trampled or as scripture says, also torn to pieces in verse 6. We really carry a burden for someone and share that, share that word, there's still a great chance that they will not hear that word and not only not hear that word, but they will lash out. Again, Fa Father Wesley says the enmity of the carnal mind is against God. And so there could be a reaction. So you don't cast your pearls uh, before them. You can, at that point, walk. But you're never done. What does verse 7 say? We didn't get to verse 7 this morning. It's a reminder again, our first resort and our last resort with anybody who's struggling that we love and we have a burden for, there are times to say a word. And then after that, if there's a, a negative response to that word, you keep with that person. You can walk if you've got to back out for your own sake. But verse 7 says you ask and you seek. You just take it to the Lord in prayer. That's our first resort and our last resort. Understanding that we still... Uh, there, there may, it may be too, too uh, difficult to remain and stay because there may be some lashing out. Uh, but how critical it is for you and I to continue in prayer and to never stop fighting for the soul of our family and our friends. Um, 
don't judge. But there is a time for, after we've done the work of looking at our own lives and our own hearts, there is a time to say, if I care for others, will I actually step out with that care and risk to say a word, understanding as well that there may be pushback from that. Jesus says you do both of those things. Check your own log in your own eye, and then there's a time to go and to speak. Now, the reason it's right that we're very careful when we talk about judgment and judging not is because, as we see here and we see throughout scriptures, uh, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who is judge. Uh, Peter talks about that, 1 Peter 1.17 and 2.23, that he is the one who judges impartially. He is the one who judges righteously. He goes on to say in chapter 4 5 that it is Jesus who stands ready to judge. Paul knows we have this issue. So in Romans 14, he talks about how judging each other can get out of hand and reminds us that uh, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. John reports in Revelation 16, 7, and he praises the Lord for this. Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And he reminds us in his gospel that the Father has given the Son all right to judge. It is his place. If I get caught up trying to judge somebody, their salvation, I'm taking his place. Again, it doesn't mean we don't have discernment. Jesus even gives us that ministry in this passage. But I've got to be very careful. Does anybody, anybody grow up in a family with a dad chair? Any of you grow up in a family where this particular chair or this recliner was the dad chair? And you knew that if dad walked in the room and you had been silly enough to have sat in that chair, you had best scramble and get up and out of that chair because it's, I know it's in Mississippi law and I think it's somewhere in the Constitution that if he sits and smothers you, there, there's, no, there's no penalty for that. That's his chair, a man's right to the chair. This is Jesus' right. The Father has said in John's Gospel, Jesus is judge, and we cannot, we cannot take his place. So it's very right when Jesus says this, and it's not the heart of what he's saying, but when he says this, he's right to say it, don't judge, uh, because it is his place. But, uh, but, but also what's behind this is Jesus making sure that his listeners then and now understand that so much, so much of this, it's not about what's going on in other people's lives. It's what's happening in me when I judge. It's what's going on in my heart when I'm critical of others. Um, and the sad, the sad point is, I think I know what's going on in the hearts of other people. Right? You do that? When I see y'all run those red lights in Madison, I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're important. They've got things to do, right? But I'm going to sit here at this red light because I'm not important. I begin to not only judge the action, but I, I begin to, just like Wesley would say in his sermon about this, I end up overestimating their sin and underestimating their good for them. Now, when it comes to me, I'm a pretty good guy, right? 
So if I do some things that are outside of God's will, if I say some things that are definitely outside of God's will, if I think something, look, it's okay, I'm going to repent of that later. It's not that big a deal. But you, y'all's hearts are pathetic, right? I judge your heart. I can't see your heart. That's why Jesus is the righteous and right judge, because he's the one who knows what's going on in the hearts of men. But that's what happens. I'm rarely fair about judgment. I expect grace, but I won't give it. And again, as you read commentaries on this, they say how outrageous what Jesus is saying here when he talks about a mote or a speck, which is real small twig, that, that little thing. But then we think of this log. Look, it's not even a log in your eye. Most commentaries would say this is a, this is a beam that goes in the roof of a house. That's what we're talking about. Because when I look at you and what you've done, that's what it looks like to me. What I've done, it kind of looks like a little twig. And what happens inside of us? Jesus is giving us a word. As Father Wesley would say, this is a great hindrance to what life can look like with God and what life is, sadly, what life can't happen for others. And just so unfair about it. We, Roger, we watched a testimony the other day at Celebrate Recovery. And the doctor got up and he was just talking about people who wrestle with drug addiction and them coming to his office. And him just, he admitted, I'm great in my field. I've, I've been very celebrated. And he says, I just can't stand people who, run, who wrestle uh, with drug addiction. That guy was swallowing 40 lorsets a day. I think the maximum you're supposed to have is 3,000 milligrams. He was eating about 25,000 milligrams. And, but he couldn't see the log. 40 a day. But for these people who come in my office, pestering me, uh, and we miss, our own hearts will deceive us on this. And the sad truth is, and one of the reasons Jesus gives this, us to this word, and it's why Father Wesley says it's a hindrance, it just will kill our walk. It'll kill our walk with Jesus. The one thing I will say from a year ago when we looked at this passage um, is that root word for hypocrite, the word Jesus uses there. We don't really have a good word for it in Hebrew, but one of the words associated with it means you've got two hearts going on. You think you're of one heart, but that's, that's not of God. You've got two hearts, and you're judging other people. You, you really don't have the heart of God in you. That's you. But then the New Testament, the Greek word for that, has to do with an actor who wears a mask, uh, which, again, is, is, a, is a, the root word of that means you're a pretender. We have that kind of critical spirit. It is a deep heart issue so jesus says to fault finders don't do that not just because it's his place but i know what will happen with me and with you you'll end up with two hearts and not only we end up with two hearts but this reminder too you just see the corporate fallout from all of these temptations you're just not going to be who you ought to be for others who are really struggling and yes they got their stuff just like everybody does as roger reminded us this morning everybody's got a hurt hang up or habit but if you, if you have that kind of look at them or that kind of what's going on in their life, that kind of fault finding, it'll paralyze your life with others. In his book, Mud and Masterpiece, John Burke says, Jud judging others 
is fun. Judging others makes you feel good, and I'm not sure I've gone a single day without that sin. Judging is our favorite pastime, if we're honest, but we're not. We're great at judging the world around us by standards we would highly resent being held to. Judging makes us feel good. But Jesus knows when that happens, it will paralyze. And you just see these next couple of verses, as Renee said, talking about our life with others. That kind of critical spirit will stop us in our tracks and how we can minister to and bless and pray for and influence those around us because they constantly disappoint us because they're under our judgment. I read some statistics this week and we'll close. Nine out of ten young adults, 87%, said the term judgmental accurately describes present-day Christianity. Non-Christians who were surveyed, 84% said they personally know one committed tr Christian. 84% I know a committed Christian. Only 15% can say, though, of those 84%, they're any different from the world. We who have been offered and given grace upon grace, and yet out of my eyes, out of my mouth, out of my actions, out of my heart, can come Judgment? Again, it doesn't mean we don't speak truth to one another. It doesn't mean that we, we don't name what's going on around us. But oh, to be known for grace. People who have been radically saved by grace. That the world, when they bump into us, uh, they get grace. Grace spilled out. Judge not. That is Christ's work. Judge not, we didn't get have time for this, judge not because that's the standard. The one who is our judge says that's how you'll be judged. But there are times to, to say a word. Don't sit on the sideline for those who you love and point the finger in your heart. But Jesus says once you've done that hard work, there are times to go. But be careful. You might get trampled. You might get torn to pieces. But you're going to do that word with gentleness and reverence. And then you might, you might even have to walk and pull back from that, but you've done that work. As we're, if you're reading along in our Bible reading plan, 1 Corinthians 3 is clear. The wisdom of this world is folly. And there may be those who push back, and that's fine, but you keep, keep praying. What about you? I can wrestle in these weeks. I can wrestle with jealousy. I can wrestle with worldliness. And sadly, I can sometimes wrestle with being judgmental. I see here so clearly in Scripture, though, how that can in, in not only hurt my walk with Jesus, but it can infect my ministry with others. How is it you and I need to respond to this word? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you that even though you are our righteous judge, you have offered us grace. We pray that your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word would minister to our hearts today, that we would be people known of grace. Father, that we would have a heart for others and not in their condemnation father may your holy spirit continue to just show and reveal to us where we have missed this word from your son help us to walk in your grace and to be able to share that clearly with others it is in the name of jesus we pray this prayer amen